Have you ever wondered if the doodles in your notebooks could be something more? This is the story of how the name Project Hut became synonymous with Arabic calligraphy. In this episode of Passion versus Profession, the Arts, we chat with two sisters, the creative director and the co-founder of Project Hut, as we dive into their experiences as young creatives in the fine arts industry. So join us right here on Reframe.fm. Hello everyone, thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Reframe.fm. For those of you who have been listening to us, we are at our fourth and final episode of this mini-series, Passion versus Profession, The Art. For the past three weeks, we have explored the interesting stories from people who have chosen to pursue the arts, or some form of it, as a major part of their lives. From mastering the chords of guitars, to producing hit singles, to digital desi- art design, to writing stories and soundscaping. This mini-series aims to shed some light on millennials with creative aspirations who have turned their hobbies into their dreams. In exchanging exchanging views and narratives about art and creativity, we hope to inspire ourselves and those out there to continue to make the arts a meaningful part of our lives. So in today's episode, we are joined by two lovely guests, so a pair of siblings whom many people may be familiar with. Um, one is a graduate from architecture in 2018 from NUS, and the other is was a nursing major who graduated from NUS also. So their artworks are very well known, especially, but not limited to the tertiary pool. So do you need a beautiful and elegant gift for somebody's birthday, wedding, or graduation? What about a nice piece of art to spruce up your bedroom walls? Don't fret, there's always Project Hut. So let us welcome the creative director and co-founder of Project Hut, Afika, as well as her sister, the co-founder of Project Hut and the administrator. Welcome, guys. Welcome. Welcome to Reframe.fm. So thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I'm so excited because we don't only have one guest today, but two guests. So yes, Afika and Afifa. I'll try not to confuse the names <laughs> throughout our recording today. So yeah, um, say hi to the listeners and maybe introduce yourselves and tell us what you're doing right now. Okay. Um, hi, I'm Afika and I'm the creative director and co-founder of Project Hyde. And I'm actually uh, working as an interior designer, but I'm mm. also looking at uh, working Project Hard as something that it's uh, my full-time job also. Mm. Yeah, because uh, I've been running Project Hard since 2014. So it has been about six years. And, oh. uh, yeah. yeah, running. So I've been, we've been running for about six years, which is... Which we didn't realize it was actually that long. Wow, <laughs> yeah, it's 2020 yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, so I actually started Project Hub when I was in year two in uni. And then mm. it became uh, something that uh, became my passion also like, over time. And it was uh, something that I really wanted to do for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I will tell a lot more on like Project Hut's journey and the past six years later on, inshallah. Nice. Alrighty. <laughs> okay, what about the younger sister? <laughs> hey everyone, I'm Afifa. So currently, I'm actually a nurse. I'm mm-hmm. working in the... Uh, frontliner. 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, actually, it was in the surveillance ward. So I'm working at Tanting Fong General Hospital. Oh. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I also managed to nurse COVID patients. Alhamdulillah. Oh, wow. Very wow, good wow. experience. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So um, I also started uh, Project Heart together with my sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So for now, uh. I'm just supporting her lah from the start. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so now nice. also, I'm also supporting her by the side doing admin work lah for Project Hunt. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's really nice. Okay, so we have like quite a dynamic duo with us today. So yeah, um, let's begin our story by first talking about the start of the show, Project Hut. So for those people who may not know, what is Hut exactly and what's Project Hut's story? So Hut is actually calligraphy in Arabic. And... Mm. Uh, when we started 2014 was actually I was through my uh, education in architecture and I was Ooh. I got exposed to calligraphy also as part of the the arts but mm. it was not something that not well uh, how to say not well exposed in Singapore's community mm. and then like I couldn't find like that many practicing calligraphers in Singapore And at that time, 2014, there wasn't uh, much institutes that offer calligraphy classes in Singapore. Mm-hmm, and most mm-hmm. of them is either in uh, Malaysia, Indonesia, and UK, US, which is more prominent in there now. Mm. So um, I decided to just write for fun, like uh, write something lah, like because I haven't been in touch with Jawi because we used to learn Jawi in primary school. Yeah. But then like we didn't really like write or uh, like write Arabic as often lah. So mm-hmm. I started writing as for fun. And then I started to incorporating like uh, like watercolor as part of my hobby. And then actually, what was that time was like Aki school was super stressful. Then like <laughs> yeah. to find something to get away from all the stress to like you know like mm-hmm. try to relieve my stress or through something else. So I don't form a plan. So actually, I, I I do enjoy art, but I haven't been in touch with like mm. hands-on art uh, ever since I started uni lah. So it was something that I just explored along the way, and mm. then some people just like uh, contacted me that hey, can you do one piece for me? Like, I want ah. to give someone uh, for a wedding gift, mm-hmm. and then that's where it all started. I think like I started posting on Instagram, and then mm. people started to inquire whether we do more. So like I I found that we found something that I started to find something unique about us lah. Like maybe mm. we can incorporate like watercolor and other forms of media mm. with calligraphy. So it's something that it's modern yet traditional. So mm. I, we tried to combine these two. Mm-hmm. So. so it, Yeah. Sorry. So it started off as a form of escapism for you, lah. So because you find mm-hmm. architecture is very, very stressful. I mean, we have friends now, so yeah, they yeah. are complaining about architecture being <laughs> yeah. so stressful. Yeah. So for you, this is your form of escapism. But and yeah. then over time, uh, once you started working on it, or maybe just exploring it, uh, people also rec- start to recognize, is it your? Yeah, work? yeah. So initially, that's how it started. I think that mm. after. Uh, In the later years of my uni education, that uh, actually there's a lot of like relation to calligraphy with Islamic architecture, so there was a lot of like knowledge that was not uh, not being taught lah in in uh, in NUS. So I found that there's a huge mm. gap or like there was no one that specializes in it. Yeah. Mm. So when like that actually motivates me to actually further my studies lah. So like to really study on the Islamic art. So ah. when back in 2014, I started taking classes under Ustazah Fatia. So she mm. was my first uh, calligraphy teacher and she was the only one at that time that was doing it full time. And oh. then uh, she was the one doing it full time and then teaching the art. 
to the community and she also just started back then. So like when we further talk and then discuss on the on the area of uh, expertise that we need, we realize that there's a lot of like macam gap lah. Like there wasn't many practicing calligraphers or Islamic artists and because Islamic art is a lot, uh, mm-hmm. not just calligraphy. Mm. So we have like Islamic geometry. Yeah. And we have the ornaments and arabesque, which is not really expounded upon in, in, in Singapore's community lah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So like uh, we decided to build uh, more groundwork to actually provide more classes mm-hmm. uh, in Singapore's community and then figure out how we can have like at least the younger generations that practice, mm-hmm. it, that practice the art lah. Yeah. So maybe, uh, maybe I just want to ask, uh, was this vision of yours to spread um, calligraphy amongst the community something that you held on to from the very beginning or was it something that you built upon uh, over time as mm. you explore calligraphy? I think it was something that was built upon over time. I, I realized that there was uh, uh, this knowledge is actually quite important. I think mm. it's, uh, Islamic calligraphy people think it's just purely for aesthetics mm. and yeah. Islamic art, but actually there was a lot of buku, uh, like books on the fake mm. of the Islamic art that oh. on the past, but it was not being uh, really explained or being taught in Singapore lah. So like because uh, most of the practicing calligraphers are calligraphers with uh, ijazah. So mm-hmm. in cali- for Islamic calligraphy, we have a certification system, oh, an ijazah system, and then okay. it, so it's being recognized by master calligraphers. So we have this international pool of calligraphers. So yeah, your certificates are being recognized. So you are certified calligrapher in the various scripts. Oh. Wow, that so is because, legit. Yeah, it's legit. So it's like any other form of Islamic knowledge. Mm. So you have ISNET on all the other forms of knowledge. So even in Islamic art and calligraphy, there is a sign up or chain of transmission of knowledge mm. from a calligrapher to another. Yeah, so but then that, uh, uh, that, form of knowledge is not being spread mm-hmm. widely in Singapore compared mm. to Malaysia and Indonesia lah. So I think that's what we are trying to uh, build upon and then like uh, me and my Ustazah, we decided mm. that uh, it's, a, it's an important form of knowledge that we need to work on like mm. especially in Singapore's context because it's yeah. not really being exposed yeah. or there's not much uh, awareness or yeah. uh, knowledge of it lah. Mm. I mean, yeah, like, it's true. Yeah. Like when you said about uh, it having a sana, it is quite surprising to me because again, a form of art for, I mean, in general terms, art is something that people explore and creative and, mm. and they, they, they do it on their own. But I didn't know that it is, there are actually macam certification that you need to do and stuff like that. So I, I feel that, again, this is something new that we learn. Yeah. I don't know about Nuha, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I was wondering, like, you know, you mentioned that I was going to ask, how exactly did you learn the craft? Because like you mentioned, Islamic calligraphy, it's not just like, you know, you just doodle anyhow. You actually have to learn the technique and everything. Yes, so for you, like being a student of your Ustaza, did you also have to like practice a lot, like do trial and error? Because I'm sure you also have your own kind of creative style yeah. or creative voice. So like, how did you craft that for so, the past six years? For the past year, I've just been taking classes under a few teachers, not just Ustazah Fatia. So actually, uh, in Singapore, we have a, we have quite a number of uh, asatizas that have certification in the Islamic calligraphy. Oh. Different scripts. So you have a lot of uh, types mm. of scripts uh, in the Islamic, Islamic calligraphy. Like, the most common is seven. Lah. The seven, there are seven types, mostly. And then, like, most of the asatiza that have certification are from uh, Al-Azhar. Mm. Uh, uh-huh. yeah, for Alasa because they studied for a master calligrapher in Cairo and then they uh-huh. got knowledge over here 
So currently in Singapore, there's only two institutions that uh, provide calligraphy classes. One is Bustan Hat that was set up by Ustaz Nasrullah. Uh, working mm-hmm. Aljunit. Um, oh, Aljunit, yeah. I think I've met him before. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know he was in charge of that. the founder of the Bustan Khat. So he was the first one that brought over the the knowledge of calligraphy in Singapore. Mm. And then Ustazah Fatia also set up her own uh, her own academy and then started to have classes lah. So like apart, but uh, I was more uh, a more frequent student of Ustazah Fatia because mm. I learned not just calligraphy. Uh, I've learned a few scripts also, but I've also uh, learned Islamic geometry under her. Mm-hmm. So there were a lot of like, much um, knowledge that you cannot find in books, tau. Mm. Uh-huh. Only learn that knowledge from a teacher. teacher. Yeah, right. yeah. Right. yeah. So there's a lot of secrets in uh, Islamic calligraphy and Islamic geometry, and a lot of people don't realize that there's actually a lot of uh, connection to the Dean also. Yeah. When you build on the knowledge of uh, calligraphy and like uh, the the geometry. It really teaches you a lot on the dean. One thing, and think, mm. uh, it also like calligraphy is actually not just a, not just for artists because calligraphy is actually a skill. And mm. anyway, so even if you're not good at art, you can still do calligraphy because it's a skill. And wow. if you, it's just that it's a matter of whether you are willing to invest the amount of time and effort to actually uh-huh. practice. Yeah. So master calligraphers or my teachers, they used to spend eight hours a day just writing. Just wow. writing eight hours a day. Oh so my god! Yeah, correct. So, so that's to okay. like perfect, perfect the craft, is it? Just to perfect the craft and like it's not easy to master. A yeah. Lah, yeah, correct. So you start just with letters, and you can't go to the uh-huh. unless the teacher uh, uh like can allow you to. So we have mm. to keep uh, being uh tasked by the the ustazas and stuff like that. So like there's a apart from like having the secrets that you learn from mm-hmm. the teachers that you realize that. Uh, for example, geometric design. There's a lot of relation to cosmology, mm. uh-huh. uh, and also like the apa? the astrology lah. Uh-huh. Because like back then, when uh, calligraphy and when it was developed in those times, they had the geometry of the nature that is being inculcated in the design. So geometric designs that you find uh, like in the malls or the buildings, the old mm-hmm. buildings. They are crafted by actually mathematicians or artists or mm-hmm. architects. Uh-huh. So yeah. it's not just purely numbers, but yeah. they are actually knowledgeable in cosmology and astrology. That's mm-hmm. why they come up with all that design. Uh. And wow. then they actually related everything to the concept of the divine one. Mm. So it go back to Allah because like they, the aesthetic is based on the religion itself. And then that's how they manifest that beauty in the Islamic architecture mm. in, in other forms of art. Yeah. yeah. So this is like, like yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not so sure about you, but I don't know. I feel like macam, <laughs> is it quite abstract? Macam, okay. <laughs> macam nak, nak connect between the dean and also these designs. Yeah. To okay. me, to a macam, a, somebody layman. who is, yeah, to a layman, <laughs> macam tak tahu apa-apa kan. Yeah, yeah. It feels so abstract, but maybe, mm. is, is it possible for you macam nak, how do you, how, okay, say for example, how do you explain it to a layman? Mm. Macam, mm. To, so that I can see what, Calligraphers see mm. Mm. Because like uh, <laughs> For like layman people Like common people Just see a calligraphy uh, It's nice lah Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Now, Okay nice But we don't know <laughs> Where is it from Or the historical yeah. context And where is it used for And stuff like that lah So like when we learn A script or calligraphy We learn the historical context How it came oh. about And like uh. The geometry Is all like 
or is all on maths lah basically. Mm. But like because the calligraphers of the past, they have, they do not just want to make a, like macam a nice script, but they want a script that it reminds them of God, mm. that reminds them of the religion also. So like mm-hmm. like they don't just anyhow macam. Of course, partly for aesthetics, but they they base it everything that Allah loves beauty. So mm. yeah. everything of their craft is actually really beautiful. Yeah. So unless so what uh what what my me and my sisters does on the ground is that we try to uh spread the knowledge through uh awareness like when we have classes like this or like macam just exposure workshops and stuff like that. Mm. People can actually learn or learn to appreciate uh Islamic calligraphy, Islamic mm. art. Because hmm. like these things can only be taught through. Because once you see the calligraphy or the metal yeah. designs, then you will realize like then when you learn how to construct the design, for example, then you realize oh, there's a lot of connection to that. Then yeah. you can learn to that. So, uh, what we are trying to do, I think Project Heart, it's uh apart from just doing uh we are currently doing just commission works and then mm-hmm. orders, and Alhamdulillah lah, I think like more more younger generations are trying to uh, appreciate more of the Islamic art and mm. then like, mm. we try to very much like the future plan for Project Heart is to be an educational platform as well mm. for us to spread uh, awareness and knowledge more on the historical context on the, not just on the art but how people can actually appreciate better yeah. the Islamic art how mm. they can actually learn the context of it lah because No, it's not just purely aesthetic, but it's something that is also important in yeah. the Islamic civilization. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. This is like just something I remembered from my past. I had this math teacher because I was from Madrasa, right? Yeah. Mm. And he's a math teacher, but he really, really, really loves origami. So like he would bring origami pieces and you know, like those origami books that give you like complicated figures yeah. to make. Yeah. And then he will always explain to us the mathematics behind it and how like, you know, it's actually all sides are equal. And at that point, I guess as students, we were just like, what is this teacher doing? <laughs> like It's really what uh, Afika just said, you know, it's about linking the technicalities with the beauty, but also that everything is all encompassing to remind you all the way back to Allah. So yeah, I really like that, you know, from an artist's perspective, you can really kind of appreciate All of that. Yeah, and... Sorry, you can hear my neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> This is how it's like on Reframe.fm. But yeah, okay, Hakim, you should take over. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> so maybe now, I just want to bring us back, maybe bring the the listeners back to six years ago when you were just starting out. Mm-hmm. Um, How was your... How how was it like? What, what made you decide to... Okay, I want to do this. Okay, this calligraphy is good enough uh, or what was your skill level at that point of time and then how was your journey with uh, your ustaza at that point of time oh but then when I started I had zero knowledge on like <laughs> so like I didn't know the rules I didn't, mm. and there was a lot of like geometric rules that I, I was not aware of until I have learned with a teacher then I realized how sacred it is like mm. not just macam a knowledge that you can just take from a book and then like copy mm-hmm. And mm. I realized, but then like the thing is, um, calligraphy is uh we tend to copy a lot from master calligraphers, mm. but it's really difficult to get the exact same copy. Mm-hmm. And see that the way of writing, padahal macam nampak senang, yeah. but it's actually not. <laughs> then there was a lot of like the strokes is like it's so difficult to master until like you really try it so many times. Yeah, and then like uh realize that. Is really you. Requ- it requires a lot of patience mm. and a lot of focus because when I try to write, much like when I w- was attending classes at that point of time, uh, 
my ustazah could tell whether my mind wasn't in the right state macam wow and it shows in my writing oh. and she can tell oh because like this i think the secret of like having a teacher is that she they can tell whether your mind is not at a macam mm. peaceful state because Calligraphy, like traditional Islamic calligraphy, is that you need to put a lot of focus on mm. the writing. That you need to have a peaceful mind. You don't think of anything else except for writing. That, for, for example, particular ayat or something. Uh. Yeah. Oh, so no. there's a lot of adab that we learn throughout the whole journey mm. when we write the the calligraphy lah. Mm. When we when we uh, learn the calligraphy, mm. for example, writing the Quran Quranic verses. Mm. Mm. There's a few adapts that you have to take care of, mm. and you mean just writing like as a practice. Also, make sure that you don't anyhow uh, write on sembarang paper or something mm. like that. Oh, so mm. even the paper matters. Yeah, paper like much. Make sure it's clean, and then make sure you use correct paper lah. Because to give oh. respect to, for example, if you are writing a Quranic verse, of course this one have to take into matter lah. Mm. But then we will start to learn how like the, for example, uh, where how the calligrapher. Uh, the master calligraphers from the Ottoman Empire actually developed this whole uh, system of the sanad and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So actually, mm. our sanad goes all the way to the to the first two calligraphers, which is Serena uh, Osman and Serena Ali. Mm. And then they were the two sahabas were the ones who actually perfected the writing mm. uh, back then lah when they were writing the Quran. And then mm-hmm. after that, people started copying the writing and then they standardized the uh, the writing of the Quran. And then what we have now is the Ottoman system lah. Like how we trace mm-hmm. the writing lah. Mm-hmm. So it's all to standardize the writing to make sure that the authenticity of the, for example, the Quran mm-hmm. is not changed. Understand. So, yeah, correct. So the why the writing, for example, if we see the old text of the Quranic text, we can't read them at all because mm-hmm. in the Kufic script, is in the older script, And then there's no thunder or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, correct. So it was developed and it was being revised time after time, like after decades, mm-hmm. because they need they needed people to send or spread the the text of the Quran to other people who are not native Arabic. Not native speakers. Oh. Yeah, they're not, they're not yeah. native speakers. So they had to make it easy for them to read mm-hmm. and understand. So like they had to standardize the writing and then mm. they got all the system and all that. Yeah. Mm. So like the Ottomans that at that point of time they they really were at the prime of, uh, I think they were the prime artisans lah. Like mm-hmm. they actually they have a lot of adab in how they take care of their calligraphers. So calligraphers were something of a really respected job. Wow. Like ah okay okay. It's like a noble kind of art, It's is it? It's a noble kind of art. Correct. Yeah. So like they had a different script. They created a different script for the commoners. They created mm. a different script for the royal court. And then oh. the Quran, until now, we are still using the same uh, uh, script which is being passed down by the Ottomans, which is Nasa script. Mm. We all can read. And then like, uh, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a script specifically designed for the Quran. So there were a lot of like historical, this like all when we learn like macam, wow, like I didn't even know all this. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> like how, 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 how is it that we don't know like, or like the Islamic art history mm. as part of our education and because it really means a lot because at the end of the day the main goal for a calligrapher is to actually write the Quran like mm. that's our main intention oh. write the Quran yeah, so that we hope that whatever that we write will bring benefit to the people that reads them and it also give benefit to us that we that we are the one mm. who wrote it lah mm. so 
Yeah. Yeah. Shall you join your first piece? You did. My first piece. Yeah, oh, the first yeah. piece. Yes. How was your first piece? Like? <laughs> I don't know whether I can say my name. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. So I think to about the journey was like why I decided to much um focus on yeah. art calligraphy was mm. because of all this knowledge that much um I feel mm. there needs to be something has to be done for mm. to, on the ground. That to bring this mm-hmm. knowledge, uh, to spread even further within the community mm-hmm. because I feel there's a lot of gap, and then compared to the community of uh calligrapher or Islamic artists in Malaysia, Indonesia, or UK or US, and even in UK, like they are so well established that even though mm-hmm. they are not Muslims, but they are experts in it. Like they oh. experts in calligraphy, they experts in Islamic art, like geometry and mm-hmm. ornaments, everything, and they. Regularly, like they have institute school of Islamic design, mm-hmm. and then like Singapore, we don't have. But yeah, like, I think mm-hmm. our main goal is to have like this to have, just have like uh, an institution that people can refer to uh-huh. and then mm-hmm. us based on the is whatever that is mm-hmm. related to Islamic art lah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, based based yeah. on my understanding so far that you have said, it's like um, this form of art or this form of uh, creativity uh, require it, it's it's all encompassing means it it, it is not just um, for aesthetic purposes it is okay. beyond that it is uh, has sana and then somehow it, it it continues all the way until Allah SWT so I just want to ask maybe from that point of view because now you have understood that you it requires a lot of rules a lot mm. of uh, mm. yeah you need to follow a lot of macam the adab and so on mm. and so forth how does it affect or For yourself, how does it uh, affect your creative process? Yeah, because for example, like uh, if you're a photographer like me, or if you're a graphic designer, creativity comes from everywhere. Blah mm. blah blah. Then we just try to make something up. But for a calligrapher, how 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 does it work? Mm, because I think creativity is something that. Um, Sometimes it doesn't come lah, like. Where I think for any creative, it's something that is always a work in process, and mm. you always need to do research. I think like, much it doesn't come instantly. Like, mm-hmm. I just feel like doing something, but no. But <laughs> I think, uh, how I what Project Heart try to, tries to do is that as much as we try to do customized orders and. Uh, customized works that macam just names even though it's just names mm-hmm. what we do is we tell and then we tell them like oh this is in a particular script and then uh-huh. like what makes it different is the media like the the oh. media that I use lah because usually traditional calligraphers we don't use watercolor or anything all that mm. yeah so like what we trying to be more creative is trying to mix uh, to mix modern media modern art media mm-hmm. for example like canvas or watercolor mm. or any forms of like other modern art with calligraphy but you still hold on to the traditional uh, rulings of calligraphy mm. so but right now there's a lot of calligraphers that are breaking the breaking the traditional rules also like okay. they try to accommodate to like yeah. the modern context and then modern uh, is that a problem though Is that a problem? Um, actually, there's mixed opinions. I I feel, but I think mm-hmm. it's okay. Personally, I think me and my sister has talked about it that it is okay. As long, but then what we try to keep is the essence of like the mm. calligraphy. As long as you don't stop learning, lah. Because like I think mm. like 
when you when because I'm still learning also a few scripts under few asatizas, so like that's what something that's traditional when you learn under a teacher. But when you try to come up with your own kind of artwork, mm. really can try to um, break certain like uh, boundaries. For example, like with the what kind of uh, image that you are trying to mm-hmm. envision, you know, for your mm. artwork and when you do for for custom work. Mm. So like for Project Heart, our niche is that we use watercolor and mm. then we combine with like floral artworks and stuff like that. We try yeah. to make it something that it's uh not really traditional, but uh that is more modern or like much um more familiar with lah with the mm. younger generations. Yeah, yeah, correct. Yes. So like kalau traditional calligraphy, usually it's uh ayat Quran and then. Yeah. Um, there's no uh, translation mm-hmm. so like what we try to do is because our community is not well versed in Arabic yeah. so like we uh, we need translation to understand yeah. so I think that's our main intention lah, because like mm. if you customize an ayat or like a Quranic verse and then uh, we will ask uh, whether you need translation and say okay yeah so we try mm. to combine this too and then make it something that nice that to be framed mm-hmm. or like to be uh, uh, presented artwork lah Mm. I think that's our main uh, main intention driving Project Heart to something that is beneficial and mm-hmm. uh, relevant for today's context of yeah. the what they need. And then mm. like, a lot of the younger generations and what Project Heart is trying to do is provide affordable uh, custom artworks to them that actually is actually beneficial to the community. Mm. So from that, we're trying to, at the same time, when, we, when I'm learning the script, we also... Uh, expose them or make uh, like raise awareness on different types of uh, scripts that we mm. have yeah. and then mm. the historical context and stuff like that yeah that, that, that is what we are trying to work on lah like mm. trying to work in the progress lah for that one yeah mm. so like after having experienced all of this like you know you mentioned that one person who asked hey, Afika, can you do this for me? Like okay. sparked off this idea of starting a business. Yeah. But you know, as a an artist who, you know, likes to do it for fun and like for your own learning, mm-hmm. when did you like, okay, seriously, let's make this into something bigger. Let's make this into Project Heart. Because once mm-hmm. you start a business, it's not just about the art. There's so many things involved. Like there's administration, there's the finances, and there's correct, the, correct. you know, am I able to do it because I also have a life and stuff like that. <laughs> so like, what was your thought process when you were like, okay, really, really, let's do this. Let's start Project Heart. Mm, I think I think it was 2014 also both of us were in uh, IS <laughs> yeah. uh, we were in uh, Islamic Awareness Series mm-hmm. and I was in Publicity and then FIFA was an uh, APD so we which we used Project Heart <laughs> and then we tried to we used our products and it was our first much um, experience or trying to uh, come up with uh, to manufacture our own products okay based on, on height on calligraphy mm-hmm. and to raise funds lah basically to, okay. fund, to do fundraise for for IS and then it, it got so much macam uh, support and then people was like you should produce more of these oh, and then that's why we started okay. to venture into like uh, not just produce artworks but we are trying to produce like uh, meaningful stationery mm. not just bookmark stickers and like, mm-hmm. notebooks and stuff like that but Uh, the top process that we trying to when we try to launch these products is actually a long one because we we had to think of how how is project hard different mm, like um, yeah how should we make much like, our brand different yeah. from other stationery brands out there like of course we have like other Islamic art artists uh, that produce their own stationery but 
Mm. It was not common at that point of time. Mm. There wasn't much avenue that that uh, you can go to to find something that is Islamic art related. Mm. So like we tried to push on that, and then we it's a lot of experimentation. I feel like mm-hmm. there's a lot of like much like, experimentation in the design, mm-hmm. and then like yeah. eating through whether that how will the community much like, see the product as like is it meaningful enough? And then uh-huh. what we're trying to do is that. As long as the product it's uh, not just unique but it's beneficial and it's something that reminds of like the that brings away awareness on not just the Islamic uh, perspective but only also on the Islamic art lah. Mm. Yeah, I think it's always a constant work in progress and we are yeah. still trying to experiment and yeah. really think through on the products that we have lah. So. Of course, even though we, uh, because the past years have been, uh, we also busy with like, <laughs> work and then like, own work and then yeah. any design work is really time consuming. Mm, yeah, it is. It is. It yeah. is very time consuming, and I think that people always have this uh, misunderstanding that you can just come up with like a, like a simple design with, like, <laughs> but it, it requires so many years of experience. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's not easy at all for us because we have to, and there there are days when we have creative blocks also. Hmm. I'm take. sure Hakim can relate. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, Sometimes you just have nothing in your brain. Nothing. Then, like, <laughs> it's not easy for us also because, yeah. like designing and like uh just the design industry and like mm. even Islamic art itself be it's a lot of time, money, and investment that that we invest, and then mm. sometimes people don't really see that. And then when they mm. ask why, like, macam, and then people expect like free work from us also. Yeah. So, okay. Like, I think it happens to a lot of designers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess that's part of like the reason why like Hakim and I also want to have this mini series, which is you know to share the stories of creatives because it's not just like a one stop kind of okay magic. All these things are created. You know, there's a lot of time. There's a lot of things that go into it. So. Yeah, I think um one of our guests Nasuha who was from uh digital design also shared with us that in this whole process also there's a lot of self doubt, like you know yeah. is my product good enough? You know there are so many people who's doing this. What will make people want to buy the things that I have? You know, yeah. So I'm sure like Project Hat also went through that, especially like you mentioned, um our community is not so well versed in Arabic art or Arabic calligraphy. So is this something worthy? Yeah. yeah. So I guess like every artist kind of goes through that process of. Self doubt and then like you know picking yourself up again, yeah. Mm, correct. Also, one thing because I've uh, through the knowledge that I've I gained the past years under the asatizas, I think Islamic calligraphy right now, much um, sekarang you can just find like mm-hmm. online, uh, Islamic calligraphy. Yeah, you can just Google, right? Yeah, Google, and then people just get it for free and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Which, Like you can, like people ask why you can just you can just get it online. Why why must mm. you like? But then like the thing is like we want people to know the process and then the the right. actual process of calligraphy. Mm. It is not easy at all. Mm-hmm. And like Islamic calligraphy is also considered a copyrighted art lah. Because mm. like you cannot just uh what you sometimes whatever we try to tell people that whatever you're doing is that mm. actually it's a form of like uh, like stealing mm. also lah because yeah. like, when people do calligraphy and they post it online is their artwork and like when you right. give credit when is when it's due and they are the one who compose mm. the, the 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 verse or anything lah so in any forms of art, of art i think like people tend to macam how to say like they think just 
uh, all this right mm. now macam there's not much need lah like yeah. right now you can find everything online but like don't need uh-huh. a, a calligrapher to do like macam uh, design work and stuff like that but I say no because uh, this is something that we need to fight for and mm. uh, even though you can find it like macam online and I can just mm. do it graphic uh, just do like illustrator and stuff like that but it is not right lah because mm. it's like copying other people's work also mm. So yeah. I think there's the the, the problem with now nowadays uh, so the the issue of uh, art being processed and produced uh, immediately it becomes a, a situation where people uh, tend to misunderstand the need for experienced artists and their knowledge behind everything because again art it's more than just the product itself it is actually oh, yeah. the years of experience behind it and yeah, and yeah. I, I feel people Again, agree with you lah. Like people do not really appreciate that they do they 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 lost the meaning, the understanding of of uh, where art comes from. Also, yeah, yeah, which is unfortunate lah. I mean, <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> where artists can come in now is to really educate uh, whoever they are, the clients and whoever right, they are interacting with. Yeah, the only way I think we have to make maximize our our use of like, macam social media platforms and stuff like that mm. is really educate because. There's nothing else that we can do other than like really pushing on awareness and educating that you know art is not free and yeah. uh we we invested so much time and okay. like so much money also building up the skills and then we have to buy software we have to pay for a license and then we have to pay for so many things and <laughs> Betul art, it's not even free at all like are you willing to pay for all that because I think it's just really awareness and trying to educate mm. them because we also. Um, there are days when we are we really cannot come off anything and then like mm. it requires days and hours of research and trying to come up with a design is not easy also and then we, we draft out I think that's what we are trying to um, hold on to because Project Heart uh, we don't really do much macam mass prints and stuff <laughs> like that like macam mm-hmm. common We 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 do are having macam like certain occasions but then our main uh, unique identity about us is that We are uh, we do custom works which makes every artwork unique to its the clients. So like everything whatever the client wants, we try to accommodate to the client, and then we try to make something unique out of it lah. So mm-hmm. like it's really like that artwork can only be found in this client's house. So like, oh. like um, something is unique, and then when people ask, nice. so a lot of our well how we run is a lot of people refer us refer to us and then we have a lot of like uh, returning customers and then mm-hmm. they want to buy it for their friends for their families I think that's how uh, Project Hai has been uh, growing organically mm-hmm. so I think that's what we're trying to keep but we are also trying to figure out like in the long term also how to mm-hmm. be more uh, how to reach out to more people and then more focus mm-hmm. uh, focusing on education part lah so mm-hmm. inshallah we were like after I've uh, gained enough Uh, knowledge. knowledge and <laughs> I'm still going. Uh, yeah, I'm still trying to attain my uh, ijazah in a few skips. So like, we are what we're trying to push for is to have more workshops and more classes for the community and make it more relevant to the context and make it more fun lah. Not just learning it traditionally because learning it traditionally is very long and we are in the community today. We are not full time artisans or cut. That we can spend like hours a day to learn a craft, but no. But we are trying to make it more a uh, short but concise uh, mm-hmm. workshop workshops that expose to this knowledge bits and bits, so that people can appreciate the art better. So I think that's mm. our main goal is that lah for project art also. 
Yeah. yeah, that's nice because uh, one thing that I've wondered or um, because uh, what you have said is that you have learned a lot of this knowledge from uh, Ustazas, from uh, Asatizas, different Asatizas about the different scripts and everything like that. So maybe my question here is now, um, how do you, because I want to go back to how do you continuously improve yourself as a creative? Because like for me, uh, being a photographer, there was, there was this point in time where after I receive a certain skill, uh, it becomes stagnant from then on because definitely in photography itself, there are so many different skills that I can learn also. But I've, I've, I feel that I've become stagnant. So how do you continuously improve yourself or actually motivate yourself to continuously improve? Mm, I do a lot of reading. <laughs> reading. Reading. And then uh, I think like it's important to, uh, how do I say follow the right people on mm. whatever platforms that you have. Mm. For example, I for Project Heart, we use Instagram extensively. We are more active on Instagram and then connect with people mm. who practices the art and then like share, like just have like much um, discussion or discussions with people that practice the art or people who are experts in it. Mm-hmm. And then when you when you meet them and you talk to them, it's a whole new, much, um, you learn a, a lot of things from them and then how they actually uh practicing practice the art differently like what mm-hmm. makes them unique like because you see some artists who are really really popular like much of they have a really huge number of followers and then you see their work is unique to themselves and then like there's a lot of like i learned a lot from like following all these artists on in social media and then trying to make your market research lah. like mm. trying to figure out how you can uh brainstorm ideas for like your brand to be more, for example, to more to be more reachable to the community. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what I think it's always a work in progress. There's always trial and error, and I think it's yeah. You always have to try, and there's <laughs> always failures also. So I don't think, be afraid of failure. Yeah, don't be afraid of failures. I guess yeah. I think as long as you keep your intention right, I think inshallah it will be okay lah so far. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, firstly, I just want to <laughs> apologize for the background noise. It's um, free music for our podcast. But yeah. Um. Speaking of you know trial and errors, and many many failures. Yeah. I was like gonna ask you guys. I think the thing I'm most curious about is how do you guys balance your own nine to five lives and also this art because like you mentioned, it's really time consuming. And you know, like in Project Hut, they have their own Instagram page and sometimes they do time lapses of, you know, like a project that they're doing. And you can just tell that, you know, just because it's fast forwarded doesn't mean it didn't take a lot of time that went into it. So like in my head, like how many hours, you know, do you spend on that? And then like, you know, aren't you tired from work and things like that? So don't these... Um, day-to-day concerns uh, what do you call that play out as challenges for you guys as artists and especially aspiring to be a full-time artist for Project Heart mm-hmm. yeah how do you challenge how do you balance that how do you manage that challenge it's usually difficult because like the mm-hmm. sometimes your work uh, the thing about design work uh, any design work you tend to bring your work home yeah. <laughs> any yeah. I don't know I feel like macam <laughs> Like kat rumah after you go back home, uh, you think about work and then you have like to do commission works and stuff. Uh, yeah, so it has been challenging, I guess. I think trying to, uh, because you have so many hats to put on. Like uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. from being a calligrapher, you have yeah. to manage your social media, you have uh, to be a photographer yeah. for your products and then you have to uh, do it's a story and then mm. you, there's a lot of things to do. So I think, <laughs> 
um, I think there needs to be proper like scheduling on how we want where you want to post stuff and then like that because I understand that we that sometimes I will be so engrossed trying to complete much of a like custom order then sometimes I mm-hmm. I don't have time to actually record everything and then like post uh uh everything on Instagram to for, for exposure lah. Mm. So I think what how we've been running is that we try to make full use of like uh, our website our apart from IG a lot of us like a lot of referral kind of like uh system I guess like people refer to this people mm. refer uh, people and then eventually we get a pool of customers from that. Uh-huh. Yeah. So but I think it's really difficult because the thing about uh this this line is that it's really time consuming and mm. it's something that much um we really have to try to figure out your daily schedule discipline lah. Uh. discipline is really about discipline lah. but sometimes you feel at it anyway yeah <laughs> like most of us <laughs> i'm not even an artist and i feel at it so it <laughs> <laughs> says a lot Yeah, so there is a lot of like uh, brainstorming for diff- so many things that you need to do, and then like we just have. Because for me, I'm a very traditional like write down on notebook <laughs> and then like take off and stuff like that. Yes, high five. Yeah, that's me so also. That's my kind of way of like, to organize my day. So it works, I think, uh, for me lah so far. Yeah, for that. So I think like trying to discipline it, it would take a long time to mm. get used to it. Yeah. But because I've been trying to um, how to say, but I'm looking for other opportunities to uh, work something that is related to cultural heritage. So it's like related to whatever I'm doing in Islamic art in architecture, lah. Uh, like okay, in the okay. future, what I plan to do is that I want to specialize in it. So like mm. I can bring that knowledge here, lah. So inshallah, mm. inshallah, it's uh, my long term goal, lah, for that. So I think. Um, You just have to hustle lah. <laughs> hustle, like, hustle demi hasil. Yeah. <laughs> the main, it, I mean, I think is, but it's really important to not lose focus on the the purpose and mm. because I think like uh, when people ask like why do we now and then like uh, how is project had uh, running along I think uh, it's important to hold on to uh, the the purpose why you started in the first place. Like, yeah your main goal for long term goal for project yeah. what, what do you intend it to do for the long yeah. and if the main intention is for the communities for the ummas for the for the benefit of the ummah i think it will really motivate you to really try your best to really juggle everything and not to lose uh, the purpose in that lah because i think like it's not just about you know uh, making money it's mm. really not about making okay. money because it's really about the meaning the like finding that meaning in your job mm-hmm. that you know that is is going to benefit not just you but it's going to benefit the community in the long run mm. so like i think having that goal that long term goal of like uh this is my purpose and then this is what i intend to do mm-hmm. and if it's me as a like how as a designer i think mm-hmm. uh despite the challenges that you face yeah. and, like uh, apart from like the financial difficulties and then like trying to sustain this Uh, this industry in the long run I think like having mm. that purpose is so important yeah. but I think for personally because like I've the past six years have been uh, why I decided to do this a long time because I've had uh, a long discussion with my ustazah why uh, because mm. it's a need 
because mm. there's a specific for people to actually practice and bring this knowledge or practice their knowledge mm-hmm. in Singapore that motivates me to do this. Mm-hmm. Like, and I feel that it's an amana for me. Yeah. Mm. It's an amana for my teachers to me and uh, for the future generation, especially because I came from a secular background. Mm-hmm. I have no knowledge much like much in Arabic and stuff like that. But I'm still mm. learning, and it because we are still learning, and we are we we have more much we are on the ground with people who actually have no knowledge at all. Yeah, precisely. Everything. So we have the responsibility to that. Yeah. So like. That responsibility and that uh, macam amana motivates me to want me to do this in the mm. long time. Yeah, in the long run. Yeah, and I feel that having that motivation or that um, apa uh, responsibility, mm. feeling feeling responsible for the knowledge that you have is something that should be able to drive you further or continue mm. uh, your on your path of uh, creative design yeah. or in t- in this case yeah. uh, islamic calligraphy mm. so maybe maybe we can ask this final question for you what advice would you give to someone who is interested in diving into islamic calligraphy mm. because uh, for example someone who have no knowledge but then he or she uh, discovered that oh actually islamic calligraphy quite Nice, ah. Huh? But how do you guide that person to jump into that industry? To jump, eh? Mm. Yeah. My advice is that um, it it would be very easy to give up, like how if <laughs> you feel like much um, uh, like actually any form of art is uh like we want to pursue it for a long run. It's really difficult because yeah, like, you will be pressured by the community, like mm-hmm. the people around us. Kadang-kadang. They're like why? Uh, because I've had people commented to me like, why dah belajar di klinik tu tulis je. Sometimes yeah. bit, it's hurtful lah comments like yeah, that. Is, Then like is. as long as you know like why you do what you do and like your intention is to spread knowledge of the art to the community. I think that's what. It's more important compared mm. to hearing to whatever people say about us as creative and then people Correct. think that it's just. Uh, For what? It's just art, and then like it doesn't got. It's not gonna bring you like a lot of money or anything. But yeah. it, for us, it's really not about the money. It's really about the meaning that we find to our art. Mm. We are so like we find so much uh, satisfaction in doing it. Not mm-hmm. just uh, for me. It's not just on the doing the artwork, but also when you get to spread, when you get to share this knowledge to other people, is what that is satisfying, and you completed yeah. your responsibility as a artisan that. Uh, that brings that knowledge to the community. So I think my advice is that to never stop uh, learning from mm-hmm. people that um, from experience uh, people, artists who have more knowledge than you and really learn, really need to learn to have patience with yourself. Yeah. I think mm. There's a lot of like, there's a lot, there'll be a lot of like uh, self-doubt and then you'll be, you'll, you'll feel very demotivated yeah. all the time because like, Yeah, I think it's really to hold on to the advice is really to find a meaningful purpose of why uh-huh. you want to pursue this art in the first place, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then that will be your main uh, like main goal for you to hold mm-hmm. on to throughout this journey as an artisan, and it's not just about um, how you can create something, but how you can contribute to the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. I think the main advice I think like really to not just uh, really to learn not just to broaden your horizons or learn uh-huh. from other people's opinions on how you can improve yourself as an artist but really find a purpose that you can hold on to as an artisan that you can actually contribute to the community in the long run. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and I think that is something that I mean even myself I can take 
I can learn from also, which is uh, having that proper intention uh, at the beginning uh, and, and knowing that uh, at the end of the day, we are trying to benefit the community also through our artworks okay. also. Yeah, so uh, before we end, Nuha, do you want to say something first? <laughs> <laughs> yes, me and my entire blog would want to say something. But yeah, um, if you can hear my voice. Um, I think um, what is special about this episode is because uh, these two guests of ours are the only people in a whole series who are really into fine arts specifically. So like yeah. arts is very broad, right? But we had music and writing and everything. But, you know, fine arts is actually something that is on a whole other level because the amount of technique and the amount of skills and like you said, investment is really high. So yeah, I think um, some of the things that echoed in my head as Afika was talking was, you know, this idea of like um, time management, like Harith mentioned also, you know, there's 24 hours in a yeah. day. It's up to you really what you want to do. Because like, okay. you know, you can sleep if you want, but if you want to put in those extra hours to master your craft, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be really serious here but yeah to master your craft and everything then that's really the only person who can benefit is yourself as an artist because it's time that you are investing in it yeah so um, I think Hakim and I are both really really pleasantly surprised by the depth of today's conversation because yeah. I think for us like you know we think you know calligraphy yes of course it's difficult but like we didn't know that there's so much tradition that goes into it there's so much like yeah. learning that goes into it and I guess this goes to show <laughs> <laughs> I guess <laughs> the struggles of um, creatives so on me and Hakim's side stuff like this happen all the time but please stay with our podcast okay yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> so I guess it's this idea of like um, I forgot my train of thought but I guess one thing that um, all of us can take away from this is like you really 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 need to understand your product understand mm. what you are offering and at the end of the day you have to trust it so like it's the same thing that all our guests mentioned. So Weirda and Wafik, Nasuha, Harith all said the same thing. Like you need to know what you are bringing people. You need to know what you're giving them from whatever mm. you're doing. Because at the end of the day, like, you know, trends come and go, products come and go, but it's the value that you put in the things that you yeah. sell or the things that you give that will actually make it continue in the long run. And not only that, it's the thing that will motivate you all the way. Yeah, so I guess being someone who is not a creative, unlike Hakim who does photography, like I think... I learned a lot from all these yeah, people who came onto this series. And, you know, especially mm-hmm. with calligraphy, I'm really, really, really thankful that, you know, the both of you came on here and basically educated me and Hakim on like the beauty. <laughs> yeah. The beauty and the, yeah, the legitimacy of Arabic calligraphy. So, oh, yeah. Okay. I remember what I wanted to say just now <laughs> before my train of thought just completely disappeared is that, you know, at the end of the day, what you may see is, you know, a pretty painting or a pretty drawing or like, you know, a nice song. But I guess what we forget is that there's really a lot of meaning, a lot of consideration put into it. And I guess this all goes to show, you know, the reason that we are doing this series is to tell everyone that there's value in art. There's mm. meaning in art. And this is something that we shouldn't take lightly. And I guess um, being an art student, I'm very, very lucky to you know, be exposed to this. But for all our listeners out there, and even to myself as a reminder, we sh- really shouldn't ever belittle the value of being yeah. creative or being, you know, um, appreciative of art. Because at the end of the day, in life, we need both. We need all the hard sciences, you know, the things that build buildings and everything. But at the end of the day, we also need all these things that beautify and enrich our lives. So yes, thank you so much for being the final guests on this Passion versus Profession, the art series. And... <laughs> that's your that's the celebratory cue for today's episode <laughs> yes so we really learned a lot and yeah thank you so much Afika and 
Afifa for um, sharing with us all that you did. If you want to say your final few words for our listeners out there to wrap up this episode. Yes. <laughs> anything at all that you want to share. Anybody, it can be about calligraphy, it can be about art, can be about anything. Uh, not really actually. <laughs> I think uh, it's really to give like uh, motivation to those who are struggling uh, in this line of work. I know it's not easy, but and it's, I think because Singapore community has a long way to go in in appreciating the mm-hmm. arts yeah. industry. Most definitely. And, but I think we just need to do what we have to do. Like we just have to fight for and then it will take a long time for I think it will take some time for like the community's perspective, uh, perspective or perception to change on the arts industry and how uh-huh. uh, how really valuable to us. And because in the past, artisans and crafters were really valued and yeah. they really an important uh, in it, they have an important role in Islamic in society, society yeah. in any civilization. So okay. I think we need to bring back that. Um, trying to bring back that uh, glory yes correct the perspective the perspective of that the artisans and crafters we are also valued we are also valuable in the community mm. and we can bring so much uh, values and so much lessons for the younger generations especially because we are so much very into technology and mm. IT and PR, a lot of like media but for me as someone that do hands-on uh, like much um, really being on the ground doing hands-on craft and then like mm-hmm. it's something that it deviates you from like the whole media world but at yeah. the same time it really teaches you it's a connection between just you and your art and your craft as because you put a lot of focus in it especially in calligraphy or geometry so I think just press on and really uh, find that intention and purpose and I think inshallah you know like Allah will just provide you and guide Inshallah. you because like you know, risk, risk is anywhere and Allah mm. like, and if it's places for you and, and risk, risk is meant for you is meant for you yeah. and Inshallah if you have the right intentions Allah will get you along the way Inshallah mm. Inshallah and with Nicely that said. and with that thank you so much for that Project Heart for this amazing conversation that we had and uh so in this amazing series, we were we were we will be we were able. Stop. <laughs> we were it's able. okay, Kim, you got this. <laughs> in this amazing series, we were able to talk to a variety of young millennial creators, from musicians to artists and even to journalists. And I believe Nuha and I have learned a lot from them and understand the stories behind their creativity and how all of us can be creatives too. Choosing the path less traveled might not be enticing to some. And maybe not your cup of tea, but I believe that from their stories, there are so many lessons that we can learn from. And for those creatives out there, know that you are not alone. And with that, thank you so much for tuning in into uh, tuning in, in onto reframe.fm. Until next time, bye bye. Noha, say bye. <laughs> <laughs> bye. Say bye, guys. Bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs>